0: Today I'm talking to Ruben Hilo and Sasha Kron uh, from the Netherlands. They are part of, uh, I believe formed an organization a company called Nordic Pilgrim. So we'll be talking a bit about their journey to to forming uh, this this new venture. Uh, But the the focus of the episode today is on the St. Olaf ways, uh, which it is plural, right? Because there are many pathways that are uh, sort of fall under the umbrella um, of Saint Olav and and uh, um, the the cult of Saint Olav. Is that the right way of saying
1: that? Yeah, it's like a whole network of of routes. All go, nah, most of them going to Trondheim. Uh, there's a bit of confusion about the name because there's uh, many Olaf ways, but there's just one path, uh, and that's the one going from Oslo to Trondheim.
0: Ah, I see. Okay, so that also was part of my uh, confusion as well. Uh, so what what is it about Trondheim? Why is that the end point for St. Olaf Way?
1: Um, it was like um, a little bit more than a thousand years ago. There was a Norwegian king uh, called Olaf, and uh, he uh, went... Um, He traveled all through Europe um, and and he wanted to go back to Norway and to to unite all the different countries into one country. And he uh, thought about doing that using Christianity. So he was, uh, I think, baptized in Normandy, in France, and then he went back to Norway and tried to to reconquer Norway and to reclaim his throne as king. but that didn't really happen because he was killed in a battle in Norway uh, just before he arrived to Trondheim. Uh, and after this battle in which he was killed, all these myths and stories uh, sprung up around Olaf. Probably uh, made up by the church because they didn't really get a foothold in Norway and, and Scandinavia. And then he became a holy person. And then uh, Trondheim, or Nidaros, how it was called, became a holy place, just like Rome or Jerusalem.
0: I've uh, watched, uh, both of you have uh, short films um, on YouTube, which we can talk a little bit more about um, in a few minutes. And uh, for you, Ruben, uh, you talked about in your intro, I think in the first episode of your series, uh, about your pilgrimage, that you were an atheist. So I am guessing that your your journey into being a pilgrim was not through Christianity. And so, what what did draw you to to walk this pilgrimage?
1: Uh, coincidence and uh, a job. Uh, I moved from the Netherlands to Sweden in 2011, and and I discovered a symbol in my front yard, uh, and that was the olive symbol, but I didn't know anything about it. Um, so I got into uh, i i researched a little bit and then i discovered they were revamping the olaf route from sweden to norway and i got involved in this uh, in this in this this development and i was responsible for the marketing and in, in one of the meetings i said as a joke well i can i can walk it and i can make like a video blog." and so they said yeah sure do that because we need somebody testing the route before we open it for pilgrims so in a way i was one of the first uh, new pilgrims uh, walking the route, and I didn't know anything about Olaf. I didn't know anything about pilgrimages, and all of a sudden, I'm, you know, walking there, and 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 being an atheist, it still still was a, a, a spiritual thing for me. So that was really interesting.
0: I liked. I think it was in the second uh, episode. Um, of your video blog, you talked about having blisters on your feet. And it was almost like in this moment, you realized that you were a pilgrim. There was something about um, that physical pain or sacrifice, or I want to hear like that moment, what was going through your head
1: uh, I was raised a Christian, uh, so I, I I have a bit bit of a uh, uh, what do you say uh, a heritage, uh, no, a knowledge about uh, the, the meaning of suffering, <laughs> for in Christian faith probably. Uh, so uh, physical suffering is, I think, as I understand, it plays a, a big role in, in 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 Christianity. So I think. Physical suffering, but also the mental suffering, which came for me a little bit further down the road, um, was really important because then you really connect to the, the thing you are doing, to the road. And even now, when I when I'm there and I, I see part of the part of the road, I still have like a really emotional response because of that connection.
0: For you, Sasha, you also walked um, as a pilgrim uh, along. Um, but your, your route was from, uh, Turku, Finland uh, cool. to, our, to, to uh, did I say it right? What is
2: it? Turku. And, yes. uh, that is how the Finnish, Finnish people pronounce it. And the Swedish actually call it, Abu. Uh, ah,
0: okay. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, and so what drew you to walk the pilgrimage?
2: Um, actually we were, um, Ruben and I, um, Perhaps I have to give you more context. Um, Ruben and I, um, we have a relationship (laughs) and we bought a house in the north of uh, Groningen, the Netherlands. And how do you say that? Renoveren? Construct? No? Yes, we needed to construct it. (laughs) And... um, Actually, we did that for uh, nearly one year and then a big fire um, actually uh, burned everything down. Our house, our business. um, Well, we were blown away, literally, (laughs) by the fact that we had nothing at that point. Uh, excuse our cat. She is actually meowing right now. She survived as well. And our other cat as well. So we're thankful for that. But um, we had a plan, actually. We wanted to open a bed and breakfast and a, a small coffee shop. Uh, and um, those plans uh, went through the drain. And um, we were actually very stressed because of that time and period, uh, and uh, in in on the same time, we needed to make money because our income was gone. Actually, uh, so we were thinking about can we expand um, the routes we have towards Trump time, and uh, if we want that and if we can, which route can we choose? Uh, so, actually, it was born out of. Uh, a necessity. But um, along the way, when we chose our route, which became the St. Olaf Waterway uh, from uh, Finland towards uh, Sweden, um, it became more clear for me actually that I really needed it at that time because I was uh, very tense and and so tired of the period before. and um, I just wanted to walk literally i wanted to be somewhere where i didn't have to think about anything uh of building the house or um insurance uh, or uh, finances and um this came along we had a, a a talk ruben and i who who would walk this route <laughs> and he was really kind uh because um i he he let me walk the route uh and um as I knew that, uh, it became uh, less than a business thing to do and more something for myself. So um, it is um, like that. I, I really i am happy that that shift came uh, because I really needed it at that time.
0: So you had the awareness of the roots uh, because of Ruben. And so it was a possibility in your mind because you knew um, that the route existed. And then it seems that that this opportunity came at a really critical point for you personally and relationally. And I mean, you lost mm-hmm. everything. So what was that like then to be able to put aside... I couldn't tell from your film that you were going through a very difficult time because you were very optimistic mm-hmm. and you also... Uh, focused on these small signs of life. So maybe now that I think back about your film and what you've just shared, I could see some hints of this. Uh, yeah. There, you know, I was I, I had intended to actually ask you about these small moments. You captured this little insect that was crawling along, and you focused on some um, some minutia along the way. So now maybe this puts it in perspective that you were thinking about kind of this idea of literally rising from the ashes and new life and rebirth.
2: Yes. Well, yeah, exactly that. And, uh, on top of that, um, I think, uh, I had, um, no, not a difficult time, but, uh, I went through therapy as well. Uh, this was not due to the, uh, the, the fire but this was something I needed to do for a very long time. And the, the journey also was very special because of that. I needed to take the journey. Uh, I needed to uh, literally uh, put everything off and start start new. Start anew. And, and the fire helped with that in a strange kind of way because you lose everything and you can start all over again. Uh, but now I needed to do it. Uh, mentally spiritually spiritually uh, as well and I started it already with my therapy uh, but this was uh, a really good not a ter- uh, not a therapy but um, I'm looking for a word <laughs> to uh, describe it but well I think it, it a-
0: is uh, the pilgrimages can be therapeutic. they can mm-hmm. um, they, they very much are for many people a type of therapy. Yeah. At, at what point in your journey did you feel that you had become a pilgrim?
2: That that was actually right, not right away. It was um, on my seventh day, I guess. I walked a trail without any um, resting days, so um, I got along in it quite fast actually and um in the beginning i i had in mind which uh accommodations i needed to visit who to meet um i need to introduce myself and the company uh but after four or five days um that became something i didn't think about anymore uh i did it um you know like um uh yeah on the on the go <laughs> i'm not sure how you say that uh,
0: uh, so so just so i uh let me just back up on the timeline you and ruben had decided um that you would start nordic pilgrim before this or this is happening as you are also walking
2: this is um when i walked ruben already had the company uh for several years yeah okay okay I understand now he's he started in uh, 2014 I guess yeah 2014 yeah just checking and um so um that's why I I went on this pilgrimage and hike but I also needed to do some business along the way um which we we both find uh a bit strange to say because it doesn't feel like a business at all <laughs> but we needed to do some things but after 7 days i realized um i was a, bil- a pilgrim and uh i still had another 4 days to walk i think the last 4 days were uh actually the best because uh um I was uh really in the moment. I forgot everything around me and um like I said in the vlog uh there were only me and my footsteps and the road and uh where I had to go, where I had to be the the, the evening. And um that was very uh, very um at that point uh it felt right. <laughs> Yes. And then I was actually, when I was on the boat and leaving, because it was finished, I was finished with that part. Uh, I was not upset, but <laughs> I was a little bit uh, down because my journey ended already. I was so ready now and I wanted to walk the whole way to Thrum time. I wanted to finish it. Yes.
0: Ruben, when you started Nordic Pilgrim um, and you were drawing from your own experience and the experiences of people that you met. Uh, and then fast forward to Sasha's pilgrimage, was this what you had envisioned when you formed formed Nordic Pilgrim to begin no, with?
1: No, no. Uh, I have a background in philosophy and media and I didn't have anything connecting me to hiking or pilgrimages, so it was all by coincidence. Uh, but. And it was uh, a commercial thing uh, in the beginning as well, which is a bit of a dirty word, but it was. And all of a sudden, because no one else was doing it, organizing trips, all of a sudden, you know, you're a market leader, also a very dirty word. Uh, And then you get get involved with other trails, um, and, and, and because we help like perhaps almost 100 people every year, and you talk with them and you form relationships with these people. Um, it becomes something much more than a business and and and, yeah, I don't know what to call it the thing we have. We have a business in pilgrimages, but it is something much, much more. Um, and it's really special.
0: I think it's it must be very rewarding to be a part of of uh, transformation uh, for, for people. Yes, it's a business, but what you are providing is a, a, a vehicle, a means for people to experience something quite profound and life-changing.
1: Yes, it's exactly that. And because we, what we do, is not uh, organizing trips for for groups or just uh, send uh, maps to people and send them on their way. We have a, a, a we're we we're we are available 24 7 uh and the route that i walked is one month and under this uh, yeah, during this month you really get you you create like a relationship with people also when they're on the most vulnerable and uh most uh, uh fragile um so, so a lot of People that I helped with that trip became friends as well, uh, and and you you see the journey they, journey they go through. I've helped people that um, that lost someone, uh, people uh, students that didn't know what to do with their life. Uh, I've helped someone in transition as well. She was thinking about how to be when she was you know like a like a man, um, and that's really special when you can be just a little part of that. And help them with those uh, those journeys,
0: so you accompany the pilgrims then that you're working with. You go with them for the month, or yeah. you 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 coordinate uh, the kind of the accommodations and logistics, and then you're available as they are walking,
1: yeah, it's. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because uh, we, we uh, I moved back to the Netherlands a couple of years ago, and uh, uh, I can't be everywhere at the same time because it's uh, 600 kilometers. Um, but I've pulled there that can help when there's an emergency. Uh, but it's almost everything goes digitally, and most apps can share a location as well. So if someone is in need, I can see where they are.
0: So this is probably a good time then to to ask you about Nordic Pilgrim. Uh, can you can you tell tell me and our listeners more about what your vision is for Nordic Pilgrim? What you provide? Your website is fantastic, by the way. So I think it helps that you have a marketing background because it really. you I mean, this as as a visitor to the website, I really have a sense uh, of of the story of what you're trying to do, and it's uh, it's quite moving the stories that you have on the website Uh, but yeah so i'd like to hear kind of from beginning up to this point how you how you arrived at where you are in 2023
1: um like i said it was by coincidence i got involved in this uh but by walking the route when i walked the route in 2013 i didn't have any clue about beginning a business it was just one year after that but because I walked it myself, I, I got inv- uh, emotionally involved with the thing, so I um, I thought it was a really important trail for me personally. And when I got the idea to help people, other people, then um, um, I knew it was a really uh, good product, again, a very dirty word, but something I was really proud to uh, help other people with. Um, and So my first... To share.
2: Too- to share, perhaps
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah because it's it's a story that you walk as well you don't really just walk through a forest it's it's uh, olaf's story uh someone i didn't know <laughs> um but still it's a story uh, and that connects you also to to a thousand year history so it's a really uh incredible experience and to help other people uh doing the same trip it's it's really special um so I started with the, the St. Olaf's Leiden, it's called. It's goes, it goes from Sweden to Trondheim. It's almost 600 kilometers uh, from Sweden to Norway. Um, then we added uh, last year, we added the Finnish route, one of the Finnish routes. Uh, and in a couple of weeks, we're going to add another route, which um, is the, the, um, the last part of the Oslo Trondheim route. Um, we took o- over a part of another company that stops with their business. Um, so uh, we're going to add a third road route. And um, we have to see how much we can grow because you know um, uh, uh, it's, it's a lot of work, uh, it takes a lot of time um, and uh, it has to be rewarding for us as well. So we can't just keep growing, growing, growing. Or we have to work with, you know, uh, staff or so, something like that. But for now, uh, we have three routes that we are really proud of, um, and the, the last one I'm going to walk myself again this this summer, um, so that will be exciting.
0: It seems that that the term pilgrimage has been widely embraced uh, around these particular routes, which I think is interesting. Uh, there are a number of. Of trails uh, around Europe or in other places where people may be pilgrims, and there's a little bit of a reticence to say that the trail is a pilgrimage or a pilgrimage route, and it doesn't seem that that's the case here. Uh, it seems that there, uh, from the the idea of mapping the route, that there was a wide embrace that people could be pilgrims maybe they're hikers maybe they're walkers um what do you think influenced this um even maybe beyond saint olaf why was this concept um embraced in a scandinavian context
1: mm. oh that's a interesting question it was uh, norway who that started with all of this and it was already in the 90s and i don't really know why they started this, but I think it can be the influence of the successes in the south of Europe, in Spain and France and Portugal. Um, And the Norwegians and the Swedes, they all love nature and to be in nature and to hike. Um, So I can imagine, and Olaf is, you said besides Olaf, but Olaf is really, really important in the Norwegian culture. They have like a really big Olaf festival in Trondheim and and Olaf Play, um, a little bit um, further down the road. So, and I think also there's a commercial aspect to to develop something, a tourist thing, uh, uh, yeah, for people as well. So I'm not sure, but something like that, you know, to develop something for tourists and a tradition.
0: What do you see is a major difference between pilgrims and hikers?
1: Um I don't know in general I can only uh guess about this route and that is um that the pill that the people walking this route are often people often not always often people that go through something and they want to experience uh a hiking plus so um uh, um it is not just it's nature, it is Olaf's story, it is walking in the footsteps of uh, hundreds of thousands of other people that work before you and that creates a connection all through history um, that makes someone a pilgrim, I guess, but I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> Do you have additional thoughts, Sasha, on what, on what makes a, a person a pilgrim versus a long-distance walker or hiker?
2: I think I agree with uh, Ruben in the in the way that uh, our pilgrims actually um, they have uh, something they want to heal or figure out for themselves, and um, it's it's like a healing journey. Uh, um, we we say uh, with with our Swedish uh, uh, colleagues we we talk about uh, inneresa so a uh, uh, inward journey as well. And I think that is the difference between the hiker and uh, a pilgrim. I think a hiker can, um, in a way, can become a pilgrim, perhaps. But a pilgrim gets intentionally on the road to, to take that inner journey, I guess.
0: Do you think that this is a sustainable way of seeing these roots and the people who are walking? Um, is, is, is pilgrimage here to stay? Is being a pilgrim a fad? Or do you think that this resonates uh, because of the historical precedent and, and longevity? Do you think that we will see this? I mean, if we were to come back to this conversation a few hundred years or even a thousand years from now, I know it's hard to predict, but do you think that people will still be pilgrims?
2: I think so, um, because um, when being on the road, when 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 you do your pilgrimage, you touch uh, such a deep base inside yourself or such a deep feeling inside yourself that I think... Must be universal, <laughs> and I think everyone needs it in in especially when times get uh crazy around you. You want to touch base, and um I think in the future this will not change at all um what you said uh it it we hope that it uh becomes more and more sustainable uh and um we like to uh uh facilitate that as well. Uh, for our pilgrims and um, um, pilgrims to come.
1: Yeah, and, and also for the accommodations and the people we work with in both Norway, Sweden and, and Finland, because uh, we don't want any uh, camino uh, things happening here in, in Scandinavia with with tens of thousands of people working w- walking in a, a traffic jam. Um, it has to be small and containable as well. Where we live in the north of the Netherlands, there's also by coincidence, we live near another trail. It's a Dutch trail going from north to south of the Netherlands. And during COVID times, you could see the amounts of people uh, walking this trail. And uh, when we bought some new shoes for Sasha for her trail, they said, uh, it was also during COVID, um, they said, well, we were all sought out. Um, during COVID, people uh, wanted to go outside to hike. And especially in these crazy times that we live in, with too much information and so many people and sounds and everything, uh, I think a pilgrimage can be very um, fulfilling. You bring up
0: a really good point here about the balance between conservation and providing sort of this idea or gift to people. What types of conservation efforts are happening because clearly, the more people learn about St. Olaf Way or the, the different uh, routes, more people are going to traverse them. And that's great in one sense. What are the assurances or what are the actions that are being taken to ensure that not too many people do it?
1: I work in close contact with both Norwegian and, and Swedish, and also the Finnish projects that develop these routes. Uh, at the moment they're mostly looking how can we draw more people to these routes because it's quite small still, there's just a couple of hundred people walking every year. Uh, so now they focus mainly on uh, how can we get more people, not so much on what if there's too many people. But one thing that's really important that it's a really sparsely populated area. It's really, really uh, not a lot of accommodations. Um, so there's a maximum amount of people that we can take in, um, and they don't really want to build big hotels and stuff like that. They want to keep the people who live there involved and help them perhaps to earn a little bit extra money, but also to get their know their own heritage, uh, because not many people knew about this route. Um, so I think they're doing it in a really, really smart and good way, but, uh, I don't think there's a danger uh, of too many people going.
0: I did read uh, maybe six or eight months ago uh, s- uh, something interesting. I don't know if this is only in Norway or if it applies across Scandinavia about uh, this idea of right-of-way or right- is that is that the right where people uh, who have property uh, cede rights to the property to hikers or pilgrims or walkers as long as the people are... Taking care of of the land, is that the case across Scandinavia?
1: Yeah, it's called Allemansretten uh, in uh, in Swedish. Uh, that you, as a hiker, you can you can pick berries and mushrooms. You can uh, put up your tent uh, anywhere in nature, and if you're doing on a on a property of someone, you have you have to ask them for permission. But uh, and you can walk anywhere. Uh, it's a really uh, important part of uh, Scandinavian uh, culture.
0: So are these trails passing through private property or uh, is it mainly uh, state or federal, national uh, uh, land? Uh, uh,
1: Both. Um, There are some parts of the Swedish route that are currently going over tarmac and they uh, want to reroute the road. But then it goes over private property and then there are some farmers who don't really like having hikers. Uh, but it's also uh, trying to um, encourage them to open up their their lands. But it's just a few few places. It's mostly wilderness, uh, and and uh, that you're walking through.
0: Is there an element of this that promotes Scandinavian unity? I mean, is this is there an idea that this is bigger than uh, a trail? That there's something that it's. It's speaking to something larger politically that's going on.
1: Whew. Um, the the Saint Olaf's Leiden that I was involved in it, it it goes from Sweden to Norway and it was in the beginning and also now quite difficult to connect the two countries in a project form because they uh, both projects get their money from the EU and they can only be responsible for the people going in their country. So uh, when you have a route crossing the border, it's quite difficult to get the two countries together. So sometimes that leads to uh, difficult situations and, and some things take too long time. But in general, I think there's a good um, connection between all three countries, actually, because they learn from each other as well. The, the, the project leader from the, of the Finnish route that Sasha walked, he was also he, uh, involved and he knew the people that developed the Swedish route. And in a couple of weeks, there's a big uh, symposium in Trondheim, and everybody's coming together, and, to, um, and they're coming from all of Scandinavia. So in a way, they, they learn from each other. But in practical sense, it's sometimes difficult uh, because of the, the money streams.
0: I was struck uh, in in preparing for this uh, episode, in reading about St. Olaf, and sort of this unification that happened under the cult of St. Olaf. There are parallels now with the, the trails themselves unifying uh, <laughs> the countries together in in a... I don't know if it's a new way, but it's uh, an interesting way.
1: Uh, yeah, with less blush, bloodshed, so that's that's a good thing.
0: We can hope, right?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so for both of you, what about the pilgrimage, uh, or the pilgrimage, the, the number of pilgrimages, um, in your case Ruben, that you have undertaken? What has been the most transformational part um, for for you as a person?
1: Um, uh, hiking it myself but also now in helping other people is uh, about the kindness of other people because I'm quite um, a negative person when it comes to other people and the the, the ways of the world Um, and especially social media uh, creates a lot of you know bad influence bad vibes but when you meet people and talk with them and see them face to face uh, you Restore. A little, I restored a little bit of hope, probably, in humanity, and it's the same with the people that we help. Now that um, we're all just very small and alone and vulnerable, and that connection is really needed. So it gave me a little bit of hope, probably.
0: And what about you, Sasha? Was the the hope or restoration kind of in in I should say, seeing humanity in a more positive light, was that also impactful for you or was it was something else?
2: Um, for me, it was actually something else. I'm uh, really the opposite of Ruben, uh, which why we are, I think, perfect together. But um, I have that... Um, uh, I I already have uh, faith in humanity, especially in the younger generation now. And um, but for me, it was actually to um, what what it changed in me was that I was allowed as a a woman, as a daughter, to uh, develop my own um, growth, actually, and to um, think about what. I wanted to uh, learn further in life, and um, so it helped me to uh, sh- uh, shake off all the all the stress and all the um, influences from the fire. And it uh, gave me uh, it gave me my my life back, actually. And um, that's why I filmed all those little things. On the road, so the insects, uh, the flowers, everything, Uh, because that is actually who I am. (laughs) But I was uh, completely uh, dazed by everything that um, happened at that time and that period. Uh, And also, I met a lot of wonderful people, uh, especially a lot of ladies, uh, a lot of women who are so strong. Well, actually, all the Scandinavian women are so strong and so, uh, centered, not yeah, centered. And, um, that is also something that dates back actually to the Vikings. <laughs> um, and they still have it in them. And for me, that was really good to see and to experience because, um, they, uh, in, inspired me to, uh, become more like them in a way. And and still be true to myself.
0: <laughs> I think I, I saw that reflected in your film. I saw the optimism and tenderness. It, it really stood out to me that uh, this this view that you have and what you captured uh, really transmitted, I think, through the the screen.
2: Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.
0: in In thinking about your your experiences, uh, well, I have not, I, I guess I did have one more question before I talk about kind of transitioning to to Nordic Pilgrim um, for a bit more depth. How did the, the pilgrimage change your relationship? I think you're the first, you are the first couple that I have talked to on, on my podcast. And so this is a bit unique. and And I think it would be interesting for us to hear about from from each of you, what changed or how how the relationship was impacted by your pilgrimages?
2: I was thinking um, we weren't together. Ruben and I weren't together when the Reuben um, walked his pilgrimage. So, um, but perhaps it still has something. So you should you should start. Yeah. I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, indirectly probably because uh, hiking the pilgrimage. I did it during uh, my stay in Sweden and, and those 70 years in Sweden really changed me like completely as being from being an insecure quite somber person into a uh, still a somber person but uh, less insecure and just um, more adventurous and just taking on new things and that helped us as well during our uh, period, during the the whole fire thing and uh, the the aftermath of that. Uh, So I don't know if the pilgrimage, uh, my pilgrimage director does it directly, but it shaped me as a person, still does, and so I think I can be a bit softer, probably uh i I was, I was not a very nice person uh uh 10 years ago i think <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm a bit better now
2: you were still as nice then but <laughs> <laughs> you also became uh more centered
1: yeah mm, yeah probably
2: i think that uh in our case um for me it became um uh i saw the um, uh the important factor of being yourself in a relationship so uh that you are two persons and you really love each other and you you're you're the relationship instead of this and forget who you are so for me that was actually really important uh to uh, uh rediscover and um because because I was always someone who liked to be uh, on a journey uh, alone, uh, even when I was with somebody, um, and uh, this actually uh, underlined that. And that because of doing that, it makes our relationship uh, stronger and um, uh, yeah, much more fun because you can do you can be who you are. Instead of um, yeah, I, I'm not so sure how to say it in in English um, d- did you get the just gest- gesture of it, or yeah, so
0: I think what I'm hearing is that there's a level of maybe honesty or authenticity that you are mm-hmm. coming to the relationship um, in being just who you really are without some type of pretense or a mask mm-hmm. that the, the pilgrimage yeah. helped with that. And now you're working together too, right? So so this is a, also yes. a further
1: test.
2: <laughs> yes, it is. And it is, we worked, actually, we worked together uh, before Ruben went to Sweden. Um, we worked at the Dutch Film Festival together uh, here in the Netherlands. And um, so we we actually worked together again. <laughs> yeah. But now in a relationship, which is yeah, weird, but also actually that is why it's so important that you have your own time as well.
0: So what are you envisioning for, for Nordic Pilgrim? First of all, we can find you, the website is nordicpilgrim.com, right? Yep. Uh, so please listeners, go check out the website. It's fantastic. Uh, what, what do you envision for the next few years? It sounds like there's a new trail that is is being mapped, and I can imagine. I mean, there's sort of a global mental health pandemic now because of the COVID nineteen pandemic. People are have not recovered, and in many ways are a little bit stuck uh, collectively. So I can see that you you might be getting a lot of new business as people learn what what Nordic Pilgrim is and what you offer. So tell us
1: more about that and not just that but because of uh, climate change uh the southern countries are getting really really hot during summer and it's not really nice to walk a pilgrimage in spain with 40 45 degrees celsius uh and it's in sweden uh it's 20 degrees it sounds a bit cold perhaps but it's it's really nice uh, a nice warmth um so I guess more and more people will discover these hikes. Yes, um, uh, they're quite new, uh, the St. Olaf's late reopened in 2013, the St. Olaf waterway just two years ago, Sasha, I think. Um, yes. Um, and the, the one we're developing now, it's, a, it's an older one, but for us, it's a new one. Um, I think it's really important that we, we know the paths ourselves before we going to sell them to other people. That's why I'm going to do the 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 Norwegian one. Um, It's really important to focus on quality instead of quantity. Um, So last year in summer we just put on a wrote on a website for no more bookings for this year. Um, The people in Scandinavia they can't really Have more guests. And for us, it's a lot of work. um, And it's not about just earning a lot of money with a lot of pilgrims. It's it's a quality above quantity. On the other hand, there are still new routes being developed also in Finland um, that I think are really interesting. So who knows? Um, um, This year, the Norwegian route. This is
2: something that we. This is something that we differ in. Um, I guess uh, Ruben is uh really uh like a happy puppy and he wants to uh include all the roots. <laughs> and um, I think I am now we the way I see it now is uh that we have three roots now in three different countries, and um, uh, I think that we are going to what Ruben said, uh, that we going to make them better so we have a few ideas like um to have some volunteers along the route that can uh, walk a a particular part with you if you feel a little bit insecure or if you just want to talk to someone um then we have also uh accommodations uh that have like meditation spots or yoga spots and we we, we are thinking of including them in our pilgrimage as well as a package uh, which we already do in some cases on the swedish uh, route but we want to uh, we want to do that as well in finland and uh, norway yeah
1: and also develop more sustainable ways to get there uh, because a lot of people take the plane and I think uh, we want to um, def- not develop, but help finding out better ways to get uh, by train, uh, for example.
2: Which can be easily done when you live in Europe, because we yeah. have quite a good train. You 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 know that header. <laughs> we have quite a good train uh, um,
1: infrastructure.
2: Infrastructure. <laughs>
0: infrastructure.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Where <laughs> I was thinking too. Yeah. So. It must be possible, but we have to figure it out so we can present it as well as a part of the package.
0: Are there other uh, companies that are doing this type of work?
1: Um, There's one Swedish company that focuses mainly on groups and mainly on Swedish people, although they have an English website as well. They're called Aktiv Ud. It's a Swedish word. Uh, a, was a, there was another Dutch company uh, but they quit and we took over their, their pilgrimages. Um, and they were here a couple of days ago and they told something about a German company as well, but they m- mainly focus on Norway. Um, so I, I guess you could say we're, we're the market leader. Uh, uh, but it's a really small market, so, you know.
0: Well, I was thinking just watching the the, the film footage from both of you from the video blog and the and your film Sasha that I would be it would be a bit daunting to be alone because mm. mu- much of of the route is uh, through a forest or quite isolated rural, which is the beauty but also i I think that could be a little bit frightening for for some people.
1: yeah. And that's why I think 60-70% of our customers are women that work on their own. Uh, they, uh, most of our customers come from the Netherlands because we are Dutch ourselves uh, and we, we have great connections here and, and, and the women they are sometimes afraid of people that rob them for example or, or for uh, wild animals uh and the Scandinavian countries are the most safest in the world so uh, we try to convince them no need to worry but we can follow along with apps and stuff like that and uh, concerning wild animals uh there are bears brown bears but you won't probably see them until last year then when we had one pilgrim who found us uh that was a bear in front of her 20 minutes in front of her what should i do uh but that never really happens um but that I think um trying to uh, to to convince them that it's really safe that, because it's really really safe, <laughs> even though there's no one living and, there
0: and if you're was... you're talking about an app that there then there is phone uh access d- data access along the entire trail
1: yeah, there's just i think one afternoon that's a bit more spotty in the mountains, uh the same in Norway, there's also just one part. They told us, and I don't know about the Finnish route, uh, Sasha.
2: No, the Finnish route doesn't have any of those uh, spots. Actually, it was it's funny that you ask because it was the most often often asked question I got before I did the route. If I wasn't afraid to go all by myself, but um, uh, I wasn't afraid. I didn't know Finland, uh, but I knew uh, other. Scandinavian country or other Nordic countries, uh, and um, I always felt very safe actually up there. And uh, I have a Belgian friend who lives in uh, Helsinki, and uh, I met up with him before I started the trip, and he also told me the Finnish are well, they are they won't harm any anyone actually. They only harm themselves, <laughs> uh, but they won't harm anyone. So you you are you you will be safe on your journey i wasn't even afraid but i i wanted to ask him his opinion of living there yeah
0: is that the app that you're using is that something that is members only app once people sign up for a tour or you have published the app for anyone to access
1: no no, no. it's not our own app we just oh, use available oh, okay. apps yeah, yeah, yeah. And, okay. and people can just share their location in the app
0: i see uh so in addition to uh, the website nordicpilgrim.com, you also have a youtube site uh which is where i found your films and that is also called nordic pilgrim it's linked on your website isn't it
1: yeah, and our Instagram and Facebook as well. We're not okay. very active. Uh, uh, we're mostly active when we're on the road ourselves, uh, but people can find us there as well.
0: Well, the films uh, are excellent and give a really wonderful glimpse into uh, the, the St. Olaf Way and the, the St. Olaf uh, other trails. Um, so so I encourage people to check those out. Um, is there anything that I have not asked about that you want to share about Nordic Pilgrim, or yourselves as pilgrims, or the pilgrimage routes that you are helping to revitalize?
1: Ooh. Uh, there's nothing that comes to mind. Uh, Perhaps you, Sasha. Um,
2: the thing that comes to mind—we actually talked about it a little bit already—but um, all the project leaders who are involved uh, in the countries um, are so willing to work together, and um, we talked about that uh, at this time. They are thinking of ways to uh, gain tourism, <laughs> but um, there there hasn't been one conversation where we also hit the topic but how do we leave it this sustainable or how how do we only leave footprints behind how how do we keep it nice for everyone actually uh and um there are a lot of young uh young uh entrepreneurs along the route actually in in um finland who are willing to think with us uh, of that topic, and uh, that's really great to see. And uh, it's still it, it, it's not a danger actually because there are not too many pilgrims now. Uh, you can, if you walk your route, um, it's safe to say that you won't encounter any other pilgrim. <laughs> You're really alone. <laughs> uh, so uh, those are the numbers we talk about. But uh, I think it's great that they think like this in a way that they they really love their countries and their nature and they want to keep it that way but they also want to share their story with uh, other people that was, yeah, uh, I yeah, think that's yeah, what because- makes it so great
1: there's a Swedish word, it's called blind, which means that you're blind for the beauty of your own country and surroundings. Uh, most Scandinavians are quite shy, you counter them, uh, but in, in the end they're really proud to share these roads and routes with other people. And that people come from all over the world, we had people from Taiwan and Australia coming to walk in Sweden, and the Swedes and the Norwegians, they're really proud in the end. Um, and there's, there's one other thing I would like to mention is that uh, we, as a company, uh, 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 we also help people with information. So if, if people have any questions, they can contact us, even if they don't book through us because, uh, well, we really want to help them, help them. And as we said before, it's also possible to do the route by tent. So you don't need to book anything uh, anywhere or through us but we can still help you find the best um, possibilities.
2: Yes. And there are also great um, Facebook groups, actually. I've
0: been uh, to, to Sweden a number of times. It's one of my favorite countries in the world. And one of the wonderful things about doing this podcast is I get to learn about pilgrimage routes and meet people like yourselves who are very enthusiastic about pilgrimage and about pilgrims. And so this has definitely, the St. Olav Way has definitely risen to the top for me as, <laughs> as a pilgrimage that I absolutely must do in the next couple of years.
2: Oh.
1: <laughs> well, you know what to find us. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>